that bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially... If you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, RX Bar, Simple Contacts, and Blue Apron. They are bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who cannot stop the Patriots from going to another Super Bowl, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, hey, Jeff. Are you talking to me? I now only go by Mr. Chicken Dinner, so I don't oh, you know. I know I'm, I'm sure to... we'll get into that. Uh, you're like uh, living high on the hog now that you've had – you've actually had chicken for dinner even though I don't think you actually eat chicken in real life. But... No, it was chicken. You know, it's uh, – yeah. Uh, and also, no, no one can stop the Patriots. They are unstoppable. They're getting the chicken dinners, that's for sure. Hey, Christian, before we get into the show, before we uh, introduce our guest, I have to share a quick story with you. Uh, <laughs> okay. I know, it's unusual, but, I have, but you'll understand why in a second. Um, so uh, my wife was just in Vegas and for a big uh, – Okay. <laughs> wait, wait for it. Um, was just in Vegas for a big conference uh, that, that they do every year for her, for her work. And that – her job is based in Chicago, but they have people all over. And this is one of those times when everybody comes from all over the place and meets in one place. So she's hanging out with a lot of people that she doesn't normally see. And she's telling me the story and she's like – uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Jim was there and Mark was there. He's from marketing. And, uh, and I was like, wait, what you, you work with an actual Mark from marketing. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's Mark. He works in marketing. I was like, oh man, I have to tell Christian this one. So, uh, we have to have a disclaimer now that any, <laughs> any, uh, relation to people living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> Unless his name is Edding, unless it's Mark Edding from marketing, yeah. I think we're okay. <laughs> anyway. All right, uh, I got a kick out of that. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and uh, always your downloadable Christian. But today we are so excited because DLC stands for Delightful Literature for Children because we have not only the co-host of Screenplay for Australian Television and a Twitch streamer, but we also have the author of the Pixel Raiders series of children's books, Ms. Stephanie Bendixson. Thank you for being here, Stephanie. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, we had your co-host from uh, Screenplay on, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago uh, before before the new year. And uh, I'm, hey, a fan yeah. of, I'm a fan of what you guys do. It's a lot of fun watching you guys, and, and I'm so glad to be talking to you now. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And and thanks for mentioning my books as well. That They're released in, a, in the U.S. now, which is super exciting. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about them. Pixel Raiders, right? These are children's books uh, uh, that kind of involve video games and digital entertainment, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, it was kind of a – I've always kind of 
wanted to write. So I write them with uh, another friend of mine who's also a big gamer and Twitch streamer as well, um, Stephen O'Donnell. And we write these books together. And it's it's your 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 classic tale of, of kids who are big gamers who get sucked into a video game and have to fight their way out and um, learn a lot of lessons along the way. So awesome. it's been really fun to write. And it's exciting that it's um, that Scholastic are, are making it a, a US release as well. Very cool. Uh, I can't wait for Steven Spielberg to adapt the film. Uh, All right, let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories by visiting our subreddit, which is uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, lots of cool folks hanging out there. In fact, um, there is a new thread up this week with a new DLC community Discord server. So if you want to find some fun folks to hang out with and play games with, there is now a link to the Discord server over there in the subreddit. So why not check that out? But Stephanie, you are our guest. So you do get first pick of stories. I have a feeling I know what you're going to pick, but what is your story? Oh, of the really? Week? I, I, really? I have a, a hunch, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay, okay. I mean, I think um, I think the strangest sort of thing to come out of of the last week, and probably the biggest news, is Nintendo Labo. Labo? I think it's Labo. Labo. Yeah, like a Labo, like a lab, like a science lab. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, I don't want to be down on anyone for being c- creative or doing innovative things, but I'm so confused by it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, let's uh, see if we can sort through it because I think it confused a lot of people. Uh, of course, uh, if you haven't been keeping up, Nintendo made a big announcement. They teased uh, doing something that was going to change the way kids can interact with video games. And Labo is what they announced. Labo is sort of a maker-inspired DIY a construction kit, actually a, a couple of different ones that let you build things out of cardboard. Uh, they are cardboard patterns that you fold and bend and stick together and into various shapes like a piano or a fishing rod or a little motorcycle handlebar set. And then you uh, put pieces of your Nintendo Switch, be it the Joy-Cons or the Nintendo Switch console itself, into the cardboard in certain ways. And there is software on the switch that has functionality that makes the thing you created out of cardboard do something in the digital world. So it is uh, really outside the box, har har. But I think, uh, as you said, it's it's a little confusing, but um, I'm wondering if you think it's something you see yourself wanting to do or play with. I mean, I certainly want to get my hands on it because anytime I see something like this, I find I'm always very skeptical of the video and I need to see how it it, it works in practice. I suppose the question that I always ask first is, you know, when someone designs something innovative like this is who is it for? And, you know, I really feel like they're aiming it at kids, but my understanding of children is that they are horribly destructive and have no regard for like personal property and like the destroyers of worlds. So I feel like a card, like all of these beautiful cardboard things would just be like destroyed in seconds, surely. Well, you are on with two fathers. Uh, Christian has a little more experience being a father than I do. Uh, he's been one longer and has two kids. Uh, Christian, would you, would you concur that, uh, 
children are destroyers of worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that some of this stuff will definitely get destroyed. I think it might get destroyed by parents as much as children where you're, you know, stumbling through the house at night or you sit down like I've destroyed a few things, some out of rage and I've broken some controllers. And, you know, I, I think the destruction gets goes around. But I do think that there will be some kids that, you know, unintentionally damage when building or while playing with get a little too overexcited. I mean, I've broken um, rock band um, drum pedals, so I can only yeah. imagine what a cardboard kick pedal does, right? That, like, that was the one that kind of raised alarm bells for me. That I mean, you put your foot on something, I feel like it's it's going to it's going to get wrecked. Well, so I, I just want, I wonder what the shelf life is for a product like this. And I'd be keen to see like what they price it at. As well, well, interestingly, the foot pedal is, it was in the video, but it isn't listed as one of the sets that's available for purchase now. Uh, so that okay. that's interesting. I don't know if the foot pedal is maybe some people were speculating there might be some like starter versions so that you kind of understand how it works before you try to build the piano or whatever. Uh, or maybe that it just hints at future sets that they're planning to put out. Um, either way, you brought up price point, And at least here in North America, it ain't cheap. Uh, we're looking at $70 for the uh, variety kit, which includes the uh, the little house, the RC car that you can kind of uh, control remotely, the fishing rod, the motorbike handlebars, and the piano. So all of those for $70. That includes software that works with the Switch to make it interactive. And then that other larger set that is shown in the video with the kid wearing the backpack and controlling the robot, that's a completely different kit called the Robot Kit, and that's $10 more. That's $79.99. So 80 bucks for that kit. And, and you guys are not the only ones to bring up this worry that uh, you're buying something that will be destroyed quickly and, and for a very high price point. Uh, Nintendo has said that it will sell replacement kits. No, no word on whether you can buy the replacement kit without the software for a discounted price. But according to The Guardian UK, they are going to sell just the templates and cardboard pieces. So we don't know what price that might be. I think a lot of people bristled at the high price point and the apparent fragility of all this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah go ahead. I think on one hand, I think it looks very charming and wholesome. And I like the idea of kids, you know, playing with something that's tactile and building it and that kind of stuff. It looks very kind of uh, a bit hipster as well, I think, right. which always, which makes me feel like it's a little bit trendy. I just, I feel like the practicality of it isn't there, particularly for how much you'd be paying. Yeah. It conjures like a little big planet tech or, mm. uh, or that movie, mm. Be Kind Rewind, if you've ever seen that. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where they Swede the movies. Um, yeah. I, I'm charmed by it myself. I think it's pretty cool. It, it does, uh, it does bring to mind, um, I mean, this is going to be like old guy, get off my lawn time a little bit, but when I was a kid, uh, you bought the Lego set and you built the thing according to the, uh, instructions. And then you promptly ripped that apart and built any number of weird things that you thought of. And I feel like that's happening less and less these days. People sort of just follow the instructions and build the thing and that's it. And I, there's a twinge of that feeling with this as well for me of like, oh, it's just, uh, you know, paint by numbers, follow the instructions, and then there's the thing. Quick interjection. I think the Lego person who just 
builds the instruction book and then doesn't do anything with it. That is us. That is the adult. That is the get off my lawn. I mean, that's Having the, two girls that's the, that play. That's with the Lego. Uh, the movie, right? Lego movie. That's their point too, right? Yeah. Right. And with two girls who play with Lego and Duplo, I can tell you they spend most of their time building whatever strap and then holding it to their back, pretending it's a jetpack and doing all of that create. And they, you know, they built the Moana set or the Ninjago set or whatever, but most of the time those quickly break <laughs> to the point earlier. Uh, <laughs> and then they quickly become other things and, and, you know, imagination still runs wild. Well, I do like this notion that there is this discovery element that some of the software will guide you through the, this, it's sort of a mini class in mechanical engineering, right? That tells you, oh, here the pulley does this and it, it shows you the inner workings and how this is all put together. I, I like it as a learning tool. I think it is the kind of thing that will spark imaginations. Um, but as you said, Stephanie, getting our hands on it and feeling just how robust these things are or aren't is, uh, I think, will be telling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how well they work. I think that's a big part of it, too. <laughs> Because like that, the robot, the punching, the stomping and the, like, I, I had to send my left Joy-Con to Nintendo just because my left Joy-Con like didn't work, you know, like it had that interference, um, you need to put goo in it or whatever it was to make it work. So I'm curious, like how accurate, how responsive is this stuff? Like if you're on the motorbike one and you're twisting the thing and you're not getting a good response from the throttle, that ruins the game, right? So I totally agree. I feel like as, as well, I, it sounds like I'm down on creativity and experimentation, but there's, when I look at this, I instantly just see problems and I see it not working and I see, you know, people being excited about paying for their like, you know, $70 cardboard set and it just causing all of these issues that require troubleshooting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello, uh, Nintendo. Um, my kid <laughs> put the wire into the hole and it's not, the pulley isn't making the fishing rod go. How do I? Yeah. I mean, talk about hint lines, right? Um, but I, I will say this. I, I looked at this and I immediately was charmed and delighted by it. And I think it points to this idea that Nintendo is really a special company. I mean, you could go a thousand lifetimes and Microsoft and Sony would never put out anything like this. And maybe now they will. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, that, spins the industry in a whole new trajectory. And that's what Nintendo does, right? They, they, you know, forgive the pun, but they think outside the box, right? They, they conjure these new ways to interact with games and they manifest out of nothing entirely new demographics that potentially wouldn't have gotten into video games. You know, Microsoft and Sony are racing to have the shootiest shooter, while Nintendo is like, hey, maybe we can uh, have kids build stuff out of cardboard and make that a video game. I, I just, I love that. And it, it points to another reason why I'm glad Nintendo is in the hardware business and has never left it. I, I don't disagree that Nintendo is special, but I do disagree that Sony and Microsoft would never do anything, quote unquote, like this. They might not ever do the cardboard, you know, kind of build it yourself thing, but Sony released and spent whatever it was, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, probably only five minutes on an E3 press conference talking about Wonder Book and making books come alive for mm -hmm. kids and how they could interact with their favorite stories. And I imagine they paid a lot to get Harry Potter on board. Microsoft spent a lot of time advertising the Kinect for these games that you're playing with your family and with your kid and that Star Wars game that they spent whatever it was, 20 minutes of their press conference <laughs> had their own 
where you had to wear whatever those light up vests they gave everybody uh, on that game. And that game was never going to appeal to the 37 year old Star Wars fan. It was meant to get the kid in there and force pushing and doing this, that and the other. And then the old person press tears it apart like those games were fun for kids. Um, the action movie one or whatever that was, I think it was a double fine. Um, the second connect bundle games they put out. So I think companies are looking to get kids involved and appreciate creativity. I mean, heck, Microsoft bought Minecraft, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, because it was a huge success. But let me push back on this slightly because I, I think credit where credit is due. You're right. Those those products were introduced by those companies, but neither of those products would have ever existed if the Wii hadn't been put out by Nintendo. The only reason those products were were put out is because the Connect technology and the Wonderbook technology were inspired by the Wii. I, f- I feel like as I well. No, we, yes, Stephanie, settle this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know I had this vision for the way things were going with in terms of VR and AR and things like that. And there was that um, that year at E3 that um, Microsoft Microsoft were, were kind of pushing the Hololens, and they did that incredible presentation with Minecraft. Do you remember where they were kind of um, you know the whole the whole Minecraft world was kind of three-dimensional and you could kind of walk around it. That was like one of the coolest things that I ever saw to come out of E3 in in terms of moving that technology forward. And then we kind of never heard about it again. It was super disappointing. So I think, I don't know, I think uh, PlayStation and Microsoft are are trying lots of things to get people excited about the technology. But so far, I think only Nintendo have really been successful with following through. Hmm. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, I think I do think that Minecraft thing is waiting in the wings for whenever Microsoft releases any kind of actual product. And in that, in that, I mean, I guess you know, <laughs> uh, when a Hololens or whatever their gaming peripheral is going to be, I know that there are Microsoft VR headsets, but I I suspect we'll see a. I mean, there you the Minecraft VR experience is a thing you can download on Oculus right now, but um, that particular thing, whenever Hololens becomes a thing, I bet we'll see it. Because right now it's more for for sort of corporations and developers. I think you know the, the Hololens is like what seven thousand dollars or something like yeah. that. If you want to buy a set, so you you can have access to it, but it's not currently marketed as a mainstream right product. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I I'm I'm curious. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't. My kid is not old enough to to do this yet, and uh, I'm not sure I'm going to plunk down seventy or eighty bucks to uh, to fiddle with it. But I like that it exists, and I I hope that it. Um, I hope that the fears that we we all have are not founded. I th- I hope that it's a little more robust, and these things can actually take a little bit of a beating. We'll see. Jeff, Jeff, you can come over. I might have, I might have pre-ordered it. Sweet, dude. <laughs> it comes out. It comes out April twentieth. My youngest turns three on May fourth. Oh, perfect. So, nothing else. It's a seventy dollars coloring book that Dad gets to play with. You got to pay ten dollars you know? extra for the colors. You know that, right? The, oh no, there's a ten- <laughs> you can't use regular colors. It sounds like I'm joking, but it's true. There's a ten dollars accessory pack that they're selling with colors. Um, and you don't think your daughters will be upset that I want to build it, right? <laughs> no. That I push them out of the way to build it. <laughs> they'll be they'll be very happy. They might have watched something that you're working on, and then when you weren't visible once, <laughs> my oldest looked at me and she goes, "I guess Jeff quit." <laughs> I, love, I love when you tell inside jokes on the show, Christian. Um, Sorry. All right. Uh, what is your story of the week, Mister Spicer? 
Well, I think this might appeal to you maybe more than me, but it's my story of the week because it keeps coming back around and it's the first time we've talked about it. And it's from one of my, the developers of one of my favorite games. And that is that Playground Games, the maker of Forza Horizon and Forza Horizon 3 is so good. You guys go get it. And it features uh, Stephanie's homeland, right? So it's an accurate <laughs> representation. Don't lie and say it's not. It's exactly how your country works. <laughs> With Hot Wheel tracks. And always everything. always a sunset in Australia, right? <laughs> yeah. Always perfect. Yeah. And, and trash cans are called bins <laughs> and everything is how it is. Um, but apparently they are making a new Fable game. And this is the rumor that will not die. It will not be uh, put to bed. It kind of keeps bubbling back. And now Eurogamer is citing multiple anonymous sources. Um, I, it looks like we won't get it until 2020 or something like that. But playground games is making a real fable i mean jeff you have to be excited about super excited yeah i am uh i think they are clearly a top-notch studio based on you know horizon the horizon series and we have known that they have been working on a uh, open world role-playing game the the bit of they staffed up and all that exactly and they really weren't hiding the fact that they were you know pushing into a new genre and this is i think um the studio expanding and it's not that they're not doing Forza Horizon games anymore, but it's kind of happening in parallel at the studio. Uh, none of that was in question. The The big new rumor that seems to have uh, taken hold at, at Eurogamer is that this is a Fable franchise Fable game. Not only that, but a reboot of the Fable franchise because uh, Lionshead, which was the UK studio that Peter Molyneux founded that no longer exists – took the assets from Fable with it into Oblivion. Uh, and uh, Not the game series Oblivion, to literal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it sort of has to be a, a reboot. And they say uh, the Eurogamer article uh, cites the fact that they were inspired to make a game after playing um, Horizon Zero Dawn. So they're like, hey – Horizon Zero Dawn, we have a horizon in our game. We can make it. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how gaming development works, right, guys? Uh, <laughs> Stephanie, are you a fan of the Fable franchise? Are you excited about this? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, my first my first comment would be I hope they they do it justice and, and maintain all of the – the character and the charm that the that the world was known for. Mm-hmm. I think Fable's such a wonderful and unique universe, and it's always the go to game for me to, to to recommend to people who um, aren't big gamers and see gaming as a bit of a barrier. You know that well. Modern gaming is a bit of a barrier for them. You know, I think people are kind of scared of them and and aren't sure how they're going to manage the controls. Or um, you know, I always suggest Fable to them because I feel like Fable is such an easy game to learn. There's so much character and and joy to playing it, and it doesn't punish you um you know if you're not super dexterous or you know you're still kind of struggling to to learn the mechanics of of open world gaming and things like that yeah um yeah i I love it and i'm I'm super excited to see what they do with it so what would you say are the essential pieces that need to stay for a new studio to call a game a fable game i mean does it have to have that cartoony art style does it need to sort of morph with you as you go from good to evil? Are those the hallmarks of a fable game or is it the humor? Is it, you know, what, what would you consider to be essential for them to retain? I would definitely say, um, I would definitely say the humor uh, is a big part of it. And the kind of, um, I suppose, quaint 
village style feel to it that that makes you feel you are in a kind of living breathing place where people all have personalities and and different ways of reacting to you and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I would say the moral choice is a huge thing because it was one of the first games that I played that really had um that really kind of dealt with that concept of your actions will have consequences and will affect you going forward and you know whether you take the evil path or the good path um you know there'll be there'll be benefits and and cons to to both of those actions and and they'll just play out in different ways. But I liked it as well because no matter how hard I tried I could never play the evil path there's there's you know i'm too much of an altruist and i want to be the hero and i want people to love me and there's no way that i can <laughs> and i and i hated it as well that the the your dog companion was affected by it also and i hated that i was doing that to to him so <laughs> yeah yeah no I, i'm the same was, way <laughs> <laughs> and that's another big part of it too i think i, I think a, 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 an ai companion of some sort is super important because when you're playing a game like that it's amazing how much having an AI companion makes you so much more emotionally invested in what happens because you're constantly there looking after something and it's there with you the whole time and uh, and when you do things that injure the dog or, or or whatever it is you know you feel that guilt and it adds to that whole emotional sort of moral uh area yeah I, as, I mean I loved it as Molyneux said he 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 brought love to video games it's the uh, that's how you bring love is that you add a dog that you have to look after <laughs> uh yeah, I, I, Christian, um, I'm I'm love that you brought this up as your story of the week, but I never got the sense that you were a huge Fable fan. I, I know you're a fan of the Forza Horizon game, so is that more why you're excited for this than branching out and doing something new? Yeah, I'm excited to see how they tackle this, and I like their inspiration, you know, calling out Horizon Zero Dawn, which is our show's game of the year in 2017, and both of our, you know, in our top fives, we, yeah. you know, both really gravitated toward that game. So I'm curious to see you know, how this developer takes on that style of game. Because I think a lot of what Stephanie said is true to the Fable series in terms of, you know, its charm. And and to me, um, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn is not Fable. It is a great game, but I feel like it's a it's a different style of world than how I picture Fable. Definitely, um, yeah. It was grim and dark and, and um, at no part did it feel quaint. Well, maybe at the very beginning it felt quaint, but that went right out. <laughs> right out the window in horizon. Um, and so I'm curious how they kind of do, you know, they learn the lessons of horizon and maybe breath of the wild and what, what a modern fable will be like. And I think it has the potential just as horizon zero dawn and breath of the wild did. I think it has the potential to be the next great open world action RPG because it's a new franchise air quote, right? Being able to learn from the, from all of these other games that have done things so well, and it's not being bogged down by an old engine or assets or anything mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's a fresh start to this series because they literally can't use, <laughs> you know, any of those old assets, like you mentioned. So I'm so, I'm so curious pretty as, exciting. as well, how, how much, um, you know, other games that have come out since then will inform their choices with, with this new one because there wasn't really anything like it when fable came out, but there've been so many other games since then that I feel like um, would potentially color the choices that developers would make. Like and there was so breath many quirk- of the wild perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- there's so many funny quirky things that I remember. Like I remember that if you ate too much, your character would gain weight and you would have to eat celery and, and vegetables <laughs> and things to lose the weight again. And there was also one of the features that I thought was so funny was that if you, um, you know, if you slept with another character in the game and you didn't use protection, you, you were in danger of contracting an STD. Right. And if you, um, uh, you know, 
your character stats would would often display in the menu of of the game um, along with your friends and stuff. So I could see all my friends how many of them had had STDs, <laughs> and then I would just rip on them at work the next day. I'd be like, "Hey, man, what's been going on? Do we need to have a bit of a discussion about you know <laughs> safe practices in your relationships?" <laughs> That's awesome, uh, but it, it does bring up you know the idea that. So much of what fable is, is defined by the very specific sensibilities of Peter Molyneux and the fact that he would not be involved in this reboot. I, you know, it, the, you pointing out all those quirks make me go, yeah, it's a Peter Molyneux game, right? It's this weird, quirky thing. Um, so I, I wonder how much they'll be able to capture of that, how much they want to capture of that, how, how quirky they want it to be, or if it will have a, a little, uh, more serious side to it along the lines of horizon zero dawn. It'd be interesting. Uh, yeah. I think anytime they reboot something as well, you kind of want them to make it their own in a way you, you need yeah. to hit that right balance between, you know, giving people the nostalgia and the connection to the original that they love, but also trying to do something original with it to, to justify rebooting, rebooting the game at all. For sure. Well, either way, it sounds like this isn't going to happen anytime soon. It it sounds like a (laughs) multi-year wait we'll have for this new fable, if indeed that is what they are making, which is not entirely confirmed either. Uh, Christian, I was very surprised that you, being you, did not pick the PlayStation shoes as your uh, story of the week. You're such a sneakerhead. I'm recovering. Don't don't, don't put a bottle of whiskey in front of me. They look so good. Oh, well, God, I'm not talking so about them. I didn't want to talk. I thought you were going to bring them up, but I'm not bringing them up. I don't, I don't, good. I'm okay. I, I have a pair of boots. I have a pair of Vans, and that's all I need. <laughs> I, I have my shelf of Jordans, and other, and I haven't gotten rid of them. I, it's it's bad. I can't, you know? So, yes, they're great. They're great, and they look awesome. But let's. what's your real story of the week? Let's keep moving. Well, I like these. I mean, there's a bunch of stories this week about uh, about – these rumored or confirmed games that are of franchises that haven't been around. Fable is one of them. Uh, we also got a couple others that I'll lump in together as my story of the week. Uh, one of them is a new shooter uh, based on the Alien franchise that's coming from uh, Fox Next Games, which is the new division of Fox that does games. Uh, Next. <laughs> and uh, that was just started last year, and this will be one of their first games um with is it disney overseen that's a good question now that that's like if that potentially hap- happening it, yeah it's happening or whatever it's interesting right because disney doesn't have the best track record with console gaming it's kind of up and down fits and starts right yeah. so i'm curious what because games take a long time yes and this one again is not going to happen anytime soon uh cold iron studios is a relatively new studio that's going to be doing this they kind of just said that we're doing a triple a shooter in the in the alien uh franchise and then a new scribble knots was announced and that one is coming soon that's actually coming out in march 6th uh for switch playstation 4 and xbox one so I'd love to talk about both of these. Uh, and Stephanie, I'll, I'll tee it up to you. Which one of those is more interesting? Did you play the old Scribblenauts? Are you excited for an alien shooter? What what game sounds most interesting to you? Oh, I mean, that's hard because they're literally the polar opposites of one another. <laughs> it's true. Huh? It's true. Yeah. Um, Although you can so put yeah, an I mean, alien in Scribblenauts. You can't put a Scribblenaut in alien. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the idea of another Alien game. I think the the key thing that you need to hit, and which which previous games haven't always, but is so important, is to get that real sense of suspense and kind of survival horror 
um, to the game. So I hope that however they develop this, it really has that strong element of suspense and fear because that's just really what makes an, a good alien shooter, I think. And, um, and I love want to lean more toward the alien isolation than, you know, a. Uh, uh, what was the alien shooty shooty shooter one like um, aliens versus yeah, predator yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think definitely. Yeah. I think cause that's just really the, the kind of feeling that, that is conjured up within you when you think about alien. And I think to, you can capture that so uniquely in a video game in a way that you can't when you're watching a film. So why not really kind of, sort of push that yeah um so yeah that's that's i mean i'm super excited about about that but um a new scribble knots game is awesome too i think it's just so it never ceases to amaze me the things that you can come up with in that game and people suggest things and i'm like no that's not going to work and then you you do it and it happens it's amazing yeah that game is like magic uh it's Mm. it's extraordinary and the fact that it can actually work is incredible one of the reasons I wanted to bring up the Scribblenauts game is because I, I've been beating this drum on the show a lot, and I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it, but it is yet another example of why it bothers me that Microsoft has completely abandoned the Connect. because how great would a Scribblenauts for Xbox One be where you could just say the word of the thing you wanted to conjure into the world, and it would appear? Instead of having to oh, type yeah. it out, you could just say car or monster or alien or whatever and it would appear in the game world now i'm sure everybody would have their jokes about how it would misunderstand you but i think that would even be fun the misunderstanding would be fun that's not scribble knots though that's yell or not it's a very different thing (laughs) that's true maybe maybe they thought of that and were like this is kind of going against you know what our game is yeah that would be amazing because the only thing i use my connect for any anymore is uh like Xbox, use a code and, yeah. and things like that. <laughs> I never use my hands for anything. It's just shouting random commands at it. But um, yeah, that, that would be super cool. I think this would be amazing. really cool on the Switch though. For sure. Yeah, Switch with a touchscreen where you could just uh, tap the, the letters. I mean, that's kind of how it was on the DS back in the day. And I think mm-hmm. uh, it's really made for that. And, and Scribblenauts is, is wonderful. Um, Christian, how about you? Which of these games are, are – give your take on both of them for that matter. Uh, if I had to guess which one I'll enjoy more, it'd be Scribble Knots, which is uh, just Alien is hit and miss. So I think it's easy to say it's not. There's a good chance. There's a fifty-fifty chance that an Alien game won't be great, <laughs> based on past Alien games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Scribble Knots, while the second or third, however many they made, they kind of felt samey over the years. I feel like it's been long enough that since we've had one, that this seems like it's. I'm ready for it again. You know, kind of like Assassin's Creed Origins last year. It was like, oh yeah, it was good to take a couple of years off, and now the franchise feels fun again. Uh, I'm ready for a new Scribble Knots. Uh, Alien needs to impress me yeah on the alien thing um it's hard i feels like what happened was every video game that came out in the history of video games was influenced by the alien movies and then when you get actual alien video games they feel generic because so many i mean every single sci-fi video game has some alien influence in it and just because it has actual xenomorphs doesn't necessarily make it special which is why i agree with stephanie in that Alien Isolation was the first alien game that actually felt special because, oh, they're taking this seriously and they're making it into really the experience of living through that first movie in a, in a way. Um, 
So Especially hopefully coming from the terror of like the dead space yeah. games, which were just, you know, could there be anything scarier than that? I feel like probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but again, um, other than scribble knots, these are, these are far off and hopefully we'll hear lots more about them and be able to discuss them uh, as they get closer. So let's talk about games we have played, but first I want to thank our sponsor, RX Bar. I got to tell you, Christian referenced the fact that he and I have been working together on um, some stuff, and we, we've been going into an office. And uh, one of the things I've noticed, Christian, is that uh, you and I have both been bringing in RX Bars to the office. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. This is true. Uh, RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that it is a bar, a nutritional bar that's made with 100% whole ingredients, whole ingredients. The whole idea behind RX Bar is that they are transparent and upfront. They, the label of the bar tells you what's in it, nothing more, nothing less. That's what's in it. It doesn't, it doesn't have a bunch of chemicals and craziness and sugars and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just the core ingredients, egg whites, dates, nuts on the front of the package. These are the ingredients that make up the texture and taste. Those go on the back, 100% real cacao, uh, coconuts, etc. So this is a, a snack that'll that'll fill you up, as Christian and I do when we, we have to skip breakfast to do the awful commute that we have to go through to get to work. Uh, <laughs> because we don't have time for breakfast, we grab an RX bar. And I, I have a, I'm a person that has had protein bars and and the like a lot in my life. And I've rarely enjoyed them. I sort of do it as a necessity because it's like the shortest distance between two points, right? Is just have a, have a protein bar. But I almost always dislike the texture and the taste. And they're always chalky and bad. But RX bars actually taste delicious, which is even more amazing because you know what's in them. They're not, they're not juicing it up with all kinds of garbage. It's actually really good and good for you. Uh, the, uh, they're, they're gluten free. They're soy free and they're dairy free, and they come in eleven flavors. Um, I don't know. Do you have a favorite flavor, Christian? Honestly, no. I just grab one and go. I, that's the beauty of it. And I'm not saying this just like, oh, here's the thing. Like, I literally reach into the box, grab one, and take one. And I haven't had one yet that I don't like, which is a lifesaver because I'm really am running out the door after taking my kids to preschool and then getting on the parking lot. That is an LA freeway. I really love the berry flavors. There's a blueberry and like a mixed berry. That's my favorite, but there's like chocolate and peanut, peanut butter one is awesome. There's a chocolate coconut. That's amazing. These are really, really good. And guess what? We are going to give you 25% off your first order of RX bars. Give them a try. If this is something that you've been doing, eating protein bars and not enjoying how they taste or how they even more than that, how they feel in your mouth, give these a try because it was a complete revelation to me. RxBar.com, uh, I believe it's slash DLC, uh, but then you use uh, the promo code, which is DLC at checkout. You get 25% off your first order. So that's uh, rxbar.com slash DLC and the promo code DLC. Check them out. I think you're going to like it. Time now to talk about what we've been playing. And Stephanie, I am so excited to hear you talk about Sea of Thieves because this has rocketed up my anticipation list. Uh, you're playing the uh, the closed beta or is it an open beta now? 
Uh, I think there's an open beta now. I, I had a bit of time in the closed beta with some friends, and um, and now I'm getting into the to the open beta, and it's super exciting. So I'm assuming you're playing it on Xbox One and not PC, right? Uh, no, I'm actually playing it on PC. So uh, oh. I think I, ch- I th- all of my friends usually go PC, so uh, I chose that. And then uh, this was just one of those occasions where everyone was like, yeah, we're all playing on Xbox. And I was like, no. But then, of course, <laughs> we can all play together anyway. So, um, right. yeah, I think it's... It's such a fun game so far, but I jumped in by myself and I had no idea what I was doing. And then I got in a boat and then uh, I crashed and and my boat sank and then I got eaten by sharks and all within the space of about five minutes. And so (laughs) I jumped back in with a bunch of friends and it really is a cooperative game. Like you can play it by yourself, but to really get the joy out of it, you need to team up with people, you know, form a little pirate crew, um, sail out in the ocean seas and and start looting. (laughs) Start looting. Yeah, I love it. Um, I am very much excited for this game to come out. Uh, I played it at a number of events and all of my experience playing it were like you just described your first experience where it's like, oh, I drank a thing. I got drunk and then I fell off the ship and then the ship went away and I died. And I was like, okay, well, clearly I'm not doing this right. But I think it's also about that. It's also about the wacky misadventures that happen and befall you. I mean, that's part of the fun, right? Yeah, I think it's not um, it's not a game that that is giving you a whole lot of objectives. You're really just trying to um, you know make it happen with your crew, and it's very manual in the process of how you do things. So you know you have to manually um, you know uh, hoist the sail and and angle it in the right direction, and if you get shot. There's nothing. There's no part of the interface that's telling you what to do next. So when when the ship started taking on water, we were kind of like, how how do we stop this? And we were like, oh well, we've we managed to salvage some planks of wood and and we were storing them in barrels downstairs. So maybe we use those. And then sure enough, you you pick up the planks of wood and you use them to to patch the hole in your ship. And you've got to do that every time you get hit. And um and and then you can also like depending on how big your group is, you'll have a sort of a smaller schooner or a larger ship. And uh, if you encounter someone else out in the open ocean, you can go and, and try and take them on, which is great fun. And then you also feel really guilty if they've got this tiny little small ship and they don't stand a chance. But it's also kind of gleeful. <laughs> this just sounds like so much fun. I, I love this new trend of games where it's forced cooperative. You know, it's it's not just, uh, hey, we can both exist in this world and do our own thing. It's in order to get anything done, we have to work together. Yeah. And yeah. Teamwork is key. Yeah. Classic example is, you know, sometimes you'll make, uh, you know, runs to islands and, and um, you know, most of the islands are uninhabited or don't have a lot of, um, you know, structures on them or anything like that. So you kind of just have to plonk your ship nearby and swim to shore. And there are sharks and it is terrifying. So sometimes <laughs> there'll be one person who's swimming back to the ship and you'll be standing on the ship and then you can see sharks coming towards them and you're trying to shoot them and you're, everyone's yelling, swim, swim, there's a shark behind you. And the person's like, I'm coming, just shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Uh, that. But that does bring me to my next question, which is, does it feel like there is a lot of stuff there? Is there are there things to discover, or is it a big empty sandbox? It feels very empty sandbox at the moment, but I feel like it's the kind of thing that will develop and grow a lot between now and when the game is released. So I think at the moment they're very much it's just about testing the systems and how they work, and and my hope would be that there is a lot more to discover in and around that because I think it would you know. You, it will it will get old pretty quickly if that's all there is to do. But um, I think it also is just a little bit like um, 
maybe Daisy or something like that, I suppose, you know, you can kind of create your own little societies and rules and emergent yeah. gameplay out of, out of this because you, you know, there's sort of proximity voice stuff as well that you can encounter with people. And um, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how it develops moving forward. Christian, you're going to be pirate with me. Uh, I mean, mm, you're pirate with me, bro. Come on. Yes. With you, I will. I, am I, pirates. Ja- the, it sounds like uh, maybe not for me in the terms of I don't know if there's enough. Yo-ho, yo-ho, the pirate's life, not for me. No. <laughs> no, no. I'm curious to see how it develops. I think it has potential. I think even after it comes out, like 1.0 or whatever you know they want to call it, I think the game has a lot of room for evolution and how it changes over the, over the year or years that you're playing it. But right now, I don't think it will do enough to pull me away to be my new golf game, right? Like to be my new PUBG or, or Fortnite mm-hmm. or whatever, um, which I feel like that's the space it's competing in, right? It's, it's well, hanging. It doesn't have to be your, it doesn't have to be your go-to like PUBG. It can be your, uh, you were saying golf in the sense of hanging out with friends. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I'm, that's what, what it really wants to be. You're right. Hanging out with friends. And that's what this game is competing against. Cause that's what PUBG is for me. That's what destiny was. Um, and so my time, you know, is not unlimited, and I don't know if this game will do enough to pull me in. But if you get it, and we can set up play dates, yes, <laughs> I will play with you. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I had a revelation this week. Okay, uh, I told you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit about this already. But um, so I think I mentioned on the show that I got. Uh, at on Black Friday, I got a Black Friday <laughs> television, oh, <yeah. laughs> and uh, I, I I have the big living room television. But I bought my living room television before HDR was a thing, and I didn't have HDR. And I've been uh, feeling like I, I've been missing out on the HDR. Every time people talk about HDR, I get this twinge of like, oh. So I got myself uh, a TV for the for my office, and. I had it hooked up and I was I played through uh, Wolfenstein 2 on it. We talked about it and I was like, oh, yeah, no, it looks so good on Xbox One X on my new HDR TV. And I just – this is very unlike me, but I actually <laughs> assumed that Wolfenstein 2 was in HDR because it looked so gorgeous on Xbox One X. It really did. But it wasn't. It wasn't in HDR. It doesn't support HDR, uh, Wolfenstein 2. And and I realized that I went oh no I really I, I gotta pull the PlayStation 4 Pro out of the living room and put it into the office and look at uh, Horizon Zero Dawn in HDR and oh my god it was like I'd never seen a video game before <laughs> it, it it was it's that gobsmacking a thing HDR in Horizon Zero Dawn is HDR in general it is worth the money it is an incredibly different kind of experience and i was very fortunate because where i had left off my play in uh the frozen wilds in horizon zero dawn the expansion was in this like underground area that had uh light streaming in from cracks in the ceiling you know and it was just like oh it looks like the real world (laughs) most amazing thing jeff 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 Jeff. we're talking about sea of thieves no, 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 no. So this brings me to the Sea of Thieves, which was then that spun me into this direction of looking online and finding every single game that supports HDR and seeing if I own them yet and when they're coming out and Sea of Thieves is going to support HDR. So now it's like at the top of my excitement level. So that's a long story to say I'm going to buy it. <laughs> okay. Well, when you buy it, 
I will play it with you. If we can have, if I can join your ship, I will, I will give it, I will give it a go. Uh, yeah, I'll do that for you. Even yeah, though you never get a Destiny Two raid with me, despite me having, I did a, I did a thing, I did a thing with you podcast where you said, I did a, but I did a thing. We did a thing. <laughs> we did a thing. We did do a thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, Stephanie. Sorry, I we went off on a a, a real tangent no, there. Um, you're beautiful and and lovely listening to someone be passionate about HDR. <laughs> it's an, have you experienced? Are you are you on that bandwagon or or am I overstating it? No, no, I'm I am on the bandwagon. I agree. I agree. It's wonderful. <laughs> but wait, Stephanie, have you really experienced it? Because Jeff was also on that bandwagon last week when he had yet to really experience I, I just i had no idea there are so few games that support it it's literally like a dozen games right now that support it and most of them are games you don't don't want to play you know they're yeah. like I'll, I'll, yeah i'll be honest it's not like at the top of my priority list it's not something but i do appreciate it when it's there but it's not something right. that i'm actively seeking out i don't care enough there's a little thing a little symbol that comes up when my tv switches over to hder and it goes swung and i didn't even know it had that and i was like oh my god i haven't been doing anyway <laughs> Uh, what else is on your playlist, Stephanie? Uh, so, I mean, if a- anyone who knows me w- would know that my favorite game of all time is The Witcher 3. And mm. it is just, there is still no game that that can even come close to comparing to what I would envision as my ideal gaming experience. I'm a huge, long-time, you know, fantasy nerd. And it just really encapsulates the kind of fantasy world that if I could just step through the monitor and be in that world or step in through the television and, and just leave there and just be like, see you guys. And I'm and not coming back. <laughs> um, it's, it's a pretty, uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's like corpses hanging from trees and stuff. I mean, it's not exactly a delightful place to live. No, but assuming that I would also be like equipped with, uh, you know, I've, I've done the trial of the grasses and, and I am, ah. I am a witcher myself. So I feel like I'd be able to handle it. I'd be a guy just uh, sitting in the corner playing Gwent. That's yeah, what I would be. Cool. I'd be like, uh, don't bother me. I don't want to fight any monsters. And then Jeff would give Stephanie random quests from time to time. Oh, I heard, a, yeah. I heard a group of kids got run away by the well. Bring them down. Give you some gold. That's so funny. All the different little voices from all the people in the world. You, I ran past a woman the other day that said, it's going to rain soon. We can catch some snails and make them race. And that was just an offhand comment that some oh. villagers said. It was amazing. That's so great. But yeah, so I finished this game a while ago and I started uh, both this, the, the DLC um, that, that came out for it. But uh, uh, I, I've gone back into it now to try and – I guess clear the map. I don't know why I decided that I wanted to do this, but I was like, <laughs> it's my favorite game of all time. And and even though I've, I've finished it, I, I want to experience, you know, every last, you know, whatever was designed and put in that game, I want to experience it. So there is nothing left untouched. And I'm only now realizing just how big a task that is, because even though I've got, I've kind of worked my way through every single side quest. And this is a game that when you're playing it, you can't actively complete every quest without leveling past it at a crazy rate. There are so many quests in there that you you end up leveling, you end up at level 25 and there's still like a million level 13 quests for you to be able to do. So you kind right. of, the best way to play it is to kind of play the whole thing through at your own pace and, and then you're going to get in gear and experience, you know, proportionate to your level. But now I'm going back and I'm just sort of clearing out all of these smaller earlier quests. And, and it's one thing to be able to do that, but there are, like five or six different cities or locations, like major areas. And within those areas, there are thousands of tiny little question marks of undiscovered locations that even though I've done all of the quests that I can come across and I've, 
I finished the game. There's all of these places that I still haven't been and I don't understand how it's possible and I'm determined to go and see them all. But I think it, I'll be like well into 2019 before I'm I'm done with it. Yeah, <laughs> you call your mom and dad, call your loved ones, quit work. Like what's what level? Do we need an intervention? Like where are we? How deep are we? It's pretty bad. I'll be honest. It's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning. It's the last thing I'm doing when I go to bed at night and, and I'm, and I'm not back at work yet. So the days are kind of bleeding into each other. (laughs) Occasionally my, my partner will walk in and be like, do you need anything? And I just make, you know, just random noises. And he's like, okay, well, I'll leave you to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's that deep, like awful hole that just, and it's because it's, it taps into that list mentality of just checking things off. And I've just got to do this one more thing. And then, and then I'll clear this small patch of land and then I'll be able to move on to the next thing. And it's, it's crazy how, how quickly you can become hooked by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm done. Deep. So, and the, yeah. And the expansions are so good too. It's, it's blood uh, and wine is, I mean, that's the, that's the area that I would step through my monitor and live in. I mean, that's like Tuscany. It's I like, oh, it's so, yeah. <laughs> beautiful, yeah. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. And uh, I think there's an update coming that'll add HDR support. So <laughs> maybe I'll pl- go back to Witcher three as well. Um, uh, very cool. Very cool. Are you going to stick with it? Are you going to keep, uh, keep, keep knocking away at those other quests or does it feel sometimes when I do stuff like that, I feel like I'm, I should be in other games. I'm like, I'm spending too much time in this game. <laughs> yeah. There is that fear in me that when I get to the end, I'll just be like, what have I really accomplished? And what have I done with my life <laughs> these past right. few weeks? But there's also, I think because it is my favorite game, there's a part of me that doesn't want it to end, but also is just enjoying the process of being back in that world again. And and while there are some um, sort of parts in the map that are just clearing out monster dens or finding, you know, little hidden treasure things, there are so many little quests that are just small, tiny side quests that are so unique. I, I came across, across one uh, yesterday that was, um, you know, I went to this village and they were like, oh, these horrible storms have been plaguing our town and it all started when that tower appeared. And so, uh, you know, we, we've sent people up there, but none of them have come back. So, of course, Geralt, you know, takes on the job and he gets there and some wizard is trapped inside this tower because he bought the tower from a previous wizard who had died but had put this incredible magical security system on the tower that stops anyone else from entering that isn't that yeah. wizard. And so then he ends up, you know, trying to talk Geralt through undoing this spell. And the whole thing was just so elaborate. And and I was like, I would have missed all this had I not come back. <laughs> it's just- I remember that quest. I did that quest. That, yeah, super cool. And the, you're right. The writing, even on the side quest, the completely skippable side quest, the writing is so strong. Um, and really, one of the reasons I'm so excited that it sounds like we're going to get uh, CD Projekt Red's next game, Cyberpunk 2077. It sounds like that's being gonna gonna be uh, announced at E3 this year. So, oh my god, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> Stephanie, I don't know if you finished this game or not though, because I feel like as you were talking, uh, I was seeing your episode of Black Mirror being written. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what happens when you cross off that last to do list, uh, that last check mark in The Witcher Three, but I just don't think it's going to be good. Just leave one. Just leave one undone. Yeah, okay. My hope is that the portal will open and I'll step through into that world and it'll be great. <laughs> then I'll die immediately and that will be the end of the Black Mirror. Right, yeah, okay. But I was saying Black Mirror never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian, um, this chicken dinner that you uh, couldn't wait to talk about. Oh man, feels good. Oh, it feels so good. 
Mm. All right, moving on. Felt yeah. good. I'm All retired right. from PUBG now. I feel like I've I've done it. I've only done it once, but uh, I was playing a squad game with friend and friend of the show and uh, guest on the show, Chris Bergman, and two of his buds. And I, I wasn't just carried. I got some kills. I revived teammates a bunch. It was fast and furious. We started way out of the circle but we're able to find um a vehicle and get down in there and got into a couple of really great firefights and when we got that last kill oh my oh my goodness man when when PUBG is clicking on all cylinders you guys it is or I should battle royale mode um my preference is PUBG which I can talk about in a little bit but when it is firing on all cylinders and everything comes together it's it's an experience unlike any other, right? Just like the rise and fall of tension and just boredom and monotony and then just instant, you know, life or death situation that you stumble into something or even if you plan it, it goes sideways because everybody in there's a real person and, and the stakes are always so high and they only get higher as the circle gets smaller and, and you progress through the game. Um, oh, it felt good. And so now I don't, I haven't played it since. And, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I should, because I just want to keep this high for as long as I can, but I'm sure I'll go. You know, back it's at funny. Point. I, I, I can relate to that. I've been doing so well in heroes of the storm the last week that I'm playing it less. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird when I'm losing, I'm, I'm constantly playing it. And when I'm winning over and over, I'm like, well, I don't want to mess up this awesome streak I'm on. So I'll just not play that for a little while, which is counterintuitive perhaps. Yeah, I'll talk about this other game maybe more next week as this kind of, well, I guess some games are starting to come out, but I bought Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I had played uh, via Gamefly before, but it was on sale for 19 bucks at Best Buy and Cheapy D and Stuart and all those guys from Cheap Ass Gamer have been playing it together. And I was like, oh, because Cheapy and I have been playing PUBG every Friday morning together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, uh, Cheapy, I think I might join you guys in Wildlands because I don't know if I can play PUBG anymore with you. Like it's this, I'm sure I will, but there really is that thing of like, I'm, I don't know. I'd be the guy that I'd win the Super Bowl and then be done. Like I'm no Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like right. what is he playing for? The guy has everything. I've won one game of PUBG in a squad game, no less. And I'm like, I did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was awesome. It was really fun. Uh, to contrast that, I also downloaded Fortnite Battle Royale, also playing on PC. And for whatever reason, I kind of just hadn't dove into it. And uh, I did well. I played three games and was in the top 10 all three times. But I don't think I'll ever win that game because I don't think I'll put in the time. It felt like, so with that game, if you don't know, uh, in PUBG now, when you die on PC, you can watch your kill cam. And it's what you'd expect. Classic Call of Duty kill cam, the person took you out. In Fortnite, what's really cool is when you die, you spectate the person who killed you. I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the person who killed you, you spectate them. And then when they get killed, you spectate the person who killed them. And you can kind of chain it all the way to the end and and kind of keep watching as the shark eats the bigger fish or whatever. Um, And every time I watch that game get down to like the final two, final three, the person who won it, she or he was always lego movie master builder you know it was always like this amazing building just frenzy going on as they built this just bizarre thing on the side of a mountain as the storm was coming in and then they pop out because they have a little hole or they break a hole and as they're falling they build something else and i was saying they're like pure menu manipulation was unbelievable chain 
believable. And I don't know if it's different on console versus PC where you can kind of, you know, get to the keys quicker. But as I saw that, I was just like, yeah, uh, top five is good. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and then playing the two, I think it might be because PUBG was my first, but I, it is the game of the, of those two that I prefer. And I think it's because it makes a little more sense to me and it's realism where I get a helmet and that protects my head and my bulletproof vest is my chest. Whereas, you know, uh, Fortnite has, more, it's like you get, you drink a potion and you have a shield, um, right. where they kind of get, you bounce off tires to get onto the second level. And that first time someone did that to like come through the window and take me down, I was like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. I thought I was in a good spot here. So there's just like rules to the, to the game that I probably won't time, take time to familiarize myself with. But that being said, PUBG could learn a lot from it in terms of its HUD and the heads up display. That's the same thing. I said the same thing twice, uh, key prompts <laughs> and kind of how it, gives you information over the course of the game. Whereas PUBG, even in 1.0 is still pretty bare bones in terms of um, forwarding information your way. But uh, have you played, I forget, I know you've played Fortnite, but have you dove into battle Royale at all? No, no, I haven't played battle Royale mode in Fortnite. I watched my nephews play it and they seem to be enjoying it very much. I I really like the art style and Mm -hmm. world of Fortnite. I just am not drawn to, to any of these games. I played a bunch of, I bought PUBG and played it with some friends, uh, you know, months ago. And I just, it's not, I'd rather be playing Heroes of the Storm. So, yeah. Know. Stephanie, have, have you been pulled into the Battle Royale? Are you uh, shooting yeah. to be number one? I think um, I really enjoy, I really enjoy playing PUBG, even though I'm, I'm awful at it. I think with, um, with Fortnite, I have, I've given it a bit of a go, but I find the map is much smaller. And um, I think I enjoy more the sort of PUBG, the build up and anticipation and, the more kind of time you have to spend on just survival and, and that kind of thing. Whereas Fortnite, you know, you get into uh, sort of altercations with people a lot more quickly. And I also feel like a lot of the um, the sort of building elements of the game, you don't really have enough time to really properly make use of that. Or maybe I'm just not, you know, skilled enough. I certainly don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I, I, I know they've expanded or added new stuff to the map for Fortnite, but it is, it felt much more like a ratchet and clank in terms of like I was running and gunning and shooting and grenading <laughs> yeah. um, and, and hopping around with my shotgun or my rocket launcher and, and PUBG, I, you know, feels like it's source material, right? feels much more like Arma or yeah, yeah. even Counter-Strike to some extent where it's slower and more methodical and, and Fortnite was not that, but man, these games aren't going anywhere, guys. These games are not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, in, 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 insightful critique from Christian Smyser. Uh, we're going to get a thousand of these games. You know, they're well, not not only not going anywhere. We're going to be drowning in them. Hey, I think that's Je- fine. Jeff and Stephanie, if you guys need someone to uh, help carry you to the top, you know, yeah, you can just uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, call Bergman and see if they have a free spot. On the <laughs> Uh, I have a few games on my playlist this week, um, including Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, which is the new update to Street Fighter V that makes it into the game it should have been when it was released (laughs) in 2015. Uh, I love Street Fighter. Uh, I really liked Street Fighter V. I love the art style, that chunky sort of claymation look. About Championship Mm -hmm. Edition of Street Fighter II. Yeah. Big fan. Real big fan. Yeah, the uh, the Street Fighter V look is really good. I'm not touching that, Christian. Uh, the, um, the sort of claymation, like chunkiness of the characters. I love all that stuff. And I really wanted to love the game when it came out in 2016, but there wasn't much to it. And now, two years later, it feels like it finally is the game that it always wanted to be. 
And that's a good thing. It's got this arcade mode that I really like that's broken up into the different releases of Street Fighter. Even Street Fighter 1 has a an homage mode all the way through Street Fighter Alpha and 4 and 5. Um, and uh, there's not tons of great rewards there, but it still gives enough structure to playing it by myself that I find myself playing a lot of it. And um, so it's – I have only positive things to say about Arcade Edition other than the fact that it should have been the game that the original game was. Um, and the fact they're charging a little more for it, um, you know, potentially to get the DL, all the DLC that's come out. But uh, I think it's, it's mostly a free update, but uh, super cool. Also, I played a game called Inner Space, which is a Steam game uh, that is really hard to describe. I did a whole newest, latest, best episode on it because it's really hard to describe, but I'll try to do a quick version of it. It's a flying game uh, where you play as a drone that has somehow achieved sentience in this universe where every planet has inverted gravity. So wrap your head around that one. Basically, the idea here is that you are flying around these big three-dimensional sort of abstract geometrical worlds, and you are collecting things and trying to open up pathways to eventually get to a boss that you then have to figure out how to unlock. None of it is combat per se. It's all real exploration. Like, for example, you know, you can snap these strings that are connecting things with the hard edge of your drone wing. And by snapping them, it makes things collapse and, you know, go in on themselves and open up new avenues for you then to fly through. And even the boss battles aren't really battles. They're more like figuring out the puzzle of how this boss is unlocked. Um, It's the kind of game that I don't usually like in the sense that I, I don't really enjoy flight sims and flying games. I'm always feel like I'm playing a game of, oh, there it is, there it is, there's, oh, there it went, there it went, there it went. You know, that that kind of thing where you're always moving forward and it's hard to get your bearings. And this game is all about inverting you and flipping you upside down and disorienting you. That's kind of the hook. But I found myself really enjoying it. Uh, it's really different. It's really hard to explain. But give it a give it a look. It's called Inner Space and it's on Steam. How much is it? Do you know? Oh, I'm not going to look it up, but just in case think you know. I think it's inexpensive. I think it's like 20 bucks, something huh. like that. Yeah. Uh, the game that I have poured way too many hours into this week is Slay the Spire. Have either of you guys heard of Slay the Spire? No. I have not. Well, uh, it is one of those games that I like to call a up-past-my-bedtime game <laughs> because uh, that's what it has been for the last few nights is I've been up-past-my-bedtime. Uh, Christian, you know that I have uh, a fondness for card games I have a fondness for games like Hand of Fate and um, Card Hunter. And the one most recently that I went gaga for was Dream Quest on iOS, which was a very ugly game that had really elegant uh, mechanics. Slay the Spire is basically Dream Quest. It mm-hmm. is very similar. It's a roguelike where you are playing cards and developing, getting cards into your hand that allow you to attack certain ways and it's all about manipulating your the your deck and progressing forward and adding cards and removing cards from your deck to make it more and more powerful as you progress higher and higher up through this spire until you fight a boss. Uh, and all the while you are using your health as this resource that you are mitigating because you, 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 know, you only have a certain amount of health. Once you die, game's over. 
And much like Dream Quest, there are unlocks that happen as you play. And so really, it's you know, it's these kinds of games that I talk about all the time that I really enjoy. Rogue Legacy, uh, Dream Quest, where playing it even a little bit progresses you in the meta game. So even if I die only a few battles in, it gives me credit f- to progress toward unlocking new cards and unlocking new classes and stuff. So just like in Dream Quest, you start with one class and as you play, you unlock new classes, which completely change the way the game is played. But I will say, Slay the Spire is proof of how little I need to be addicted to something. <laughs> pure mechanics. Pure, much like Dream Quest, which was literally no graphics. Dream Quest looks like it was drawn by a six-year-old and no story. Uh, this also has no – it is pure fights. It is just card combat and how long can you last. And yet I was up till like 2 o'clock in the morning last night, which – as a father of a one-year-old is <laughs> hard. Um, you know, most people are like two, two in the morning. That's not a lot. Yeah. I go to bed at nine. Um, so yeah, it, the, the, this is a game that I am compulsively playing. I think about it when I'm not playing it. It's 15 bucks. I gladly spent, uh, and it is in early access. I should note that. So there's, there's a lot of game there yet to be made, but I'm still really, really loving slay the spire. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that that sounds like it's a deep, deep hole for you, Jeff. Like, <laughs> it's a deep hole, man. Especially because if it's early access, like that just means that in six months, art's going to be there. And then when yeah. art is there, like it's already an amazing card game. And then you put some gorgeous art on top of that. Oh my God. But it also means that they're going to keep adding new classes. And because um, I've, I, I sat down with it and I played it for two hours. The first time I played it and I beat the game with the first class, like no death instant beat the game. I'm like, this game's awesome. I just owned it. Yes. And you, I literally see, you see credits and they're like, okay, cool. You unlock the second class. I'm like, awesome. Second <laughs> class got my butt handed to me with the second <laughs> class. And I was like, oh, now it's on Slay the Spire. It's a drug and dealer, so, man. It gave you the yeah. first hit for free. Yeah. And so I have literally gotten to the last boss with the second class twice and been obliterated by the last <laughs> boss. Like not even – not like, oh, if I had done a few things different, I could have maybe squeaked out a victory. It was like, oh, no, there, there's no – I got to the last boss. I had full health and a totally tricked out deck that I thought was awesome. And I didn't even get close to beating it. So I'm like, what is the trick here? What do I got to do? So it, now it's a puzzle that my mind has been working on and I'm, I'm hooked. Hooked. Nice. Well, I, I keep, keep updating as it goes because that sounds fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on now. I do want to thank our second sponsor, which is Simple Contacts. I used Simple Contacts just recently. Uh, I wear contacts again, sadly. I got LASIK and it wore off, people. That's a thing that can happen. Anyway, that's we're not talking about that. We're talking about the the fact that I'm wearing contacts. If you wear contacts, and uh, I'm sure many of you do, you understand how annoying it is to update your prescription and get new contacts. If you're wearing disposables like I am, uh, it can be just a, an inconvenience that gets in the way of your day. Simple contacts is there to make it simple. That's why they call it simple contacts. And the way that they make it simple is it's done in an app. So if you have an expired prescription, all you need to do is uh, you upload a photo of your doctor or or your doctor's information. You take a five-minute vision test from your phone or your computer. It uses the camera on your phone to give you an eye test. And then that is reviewed 
by one of the licensed doctors that Simple Contacts has. So a doctor checks it out and uh, you receive a one-year prescription and you're able to reorder your contacts. And they have a whole bunch of contacts there. So it's convenient. It's fast. It's reliable because it was designed by doctors. It was designed by doctors and they review every test carefully to make sure your eyes look healthy and that your vision hasn't changed. Now, this does not replace your periodic full eye health exam. So it's not a way to, uh, you know, get it checked on eye health, which is very important. It's very important to note that. But these prescription updates are not always full health exams and that is one thing that you can do just from your phone. You have full choice of what uh, contact brand you want to do. They have all the brands of lenses you're familiar with, including um, options for stigmatism and multifocal lenses and colored contacts and more. And uh, it's it saves you money. The vision test is only 20 bucks. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Compare that to an annual appointment, which could cost you over 200. This is the way to go. So try it out. Uh you get $30 off your contacts when you go to simplecontacts.com slash DLC or enter code DLC at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash DLC and promo code DLC at checkout. 30 bucks off your contacts. Why not give it a shot? It's simple, it's easy, it's fast, and it's reliable. Right now, right now. So pleased to hear, Stephanie, that you are an avid tabletop gamer. Uh, I am even more excited to hear about a game I have not played, but I have watched people play quite a lot because it is so beautiful. You have been playing Photosynthesis, which is sort of one of the big new hotness games of 2017. Uh, Tell me what you think of it. Yeah, uh, it's exciting to talk about. I mean, there was... um so many people trying to get a hold of this game and it was sold out everywhere. And I think at the PAX last year, people were kind of going to all the tabletop sections and they were just, they'd sold out, you know, in seconds on the first day. So uh, it's strange for a game about trees for people to be so excited about it, but it's just a really clever idea. And it's one of those tabletop games that I love that, uh, you know, you're not sitting down to like a four or five hour experience. You can kind of knock it out, uh, knock it over in sort of 45 to to 60 minutes. Um, But the basic premise of it is everyone chooses a, a type of tree and sits around a board that has um, sort of hexagonal um, spaces on it. And uh, in the corner is is the sun and the sun will rotate around the entire board. So um, you basically have to go about planting uh, seeds and evolving those seeds into little trees. And these are all represented with little cardboard, um, you know, tree figurines and stuff that you put so you go kind of growing made this out forest of trees you mean cardboard <laughs> made out of trees, made out Whoa, of trees it's, yeah. <laughs> it's meta. um and, and so this forest starts growing but um the problem is that you know you can only uh evolve and grow your your trees depending on where the light is hitting them from the sun which is constantly moving so there's times when the sun will be in a certain angle and you know depending on how many seeds you've planted and where um, you know, you'll you'll get heaps of growth out of that round. And then other rounds, your trees will be, or your seeds or your smaller trees will be blocked by other people's trees um, and that cast a shadow that prevent your trees from growing. So it becomes this really uh, sort of strategic 
um, game in terms of, of where you plant things and what you choose to grow at certain times and what you spend points on. It's difficult to describe, but it is actually so wonderful. And, and there's a really wonderful strategy in there. And it's a, it's a beautiful game. It is truly a beautiful game. I mean, it is one of the most visually impressive board games I've seen in, in a long time. I mean, the color palette is, is beautiful. It is got these, as you said, these uh, wonderful cardboard trees that make it a very much a three-dimensional game that's kind of, um, you know, growing out of the board. It, it's striking. Every every time I've seen it, I saw it at uh, Board Game Geek Con, and I, I've seen it a couple other times, and I keep trying to get a chance to play it because it just looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes a long way, you know, that goes a long way to have really wonderful components and uh, a great art design, but I'm glad to hear that it also plays great. Yeah, I, I guess if it could compare it to anything, I suppose maybe Catan, but with a lot more to it than than that. Because I suppose you're trying to you're trying to kind of fill up as much of the board with your type of tree as possible, and um, at the end of the game, only fully grown trees that have been harvested will will count towards your final score. So you really have to focus on whether or not you spend your points on trying to spread out as many trees as possible or focusing on a core group of trees that you kind of grow into their full form uh, in the number of turns that you have is, is kind of where the strategy is. So, um, yeah, I really like it. I like it as well because it's one of those games that, you know, I have a lot of friends who are hardcore tabletop gamers and you can get them excited about sitting down to a, a four-hour game of, of Talisman or something like that. But um, a, a lot of other you know, friends in my life just don't get as jazzed about the idea of that. So I, I like this one as yeah. as a kind of a good middle ground. It's easy to teach people the mechanics of it and they can commit to sitting down for the duration of the game and not feel like they're going to want to walk out halfway through. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's accessible and, uh, and, uh, easy to, easy to teach. That's, that's a big, that's a big plus in my book as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been playing on the on the tabletop? So one of my favorite tabletop games uh, is is the Battlestar Galactica tabletop game, and I recently yes. bought also the Firefly tabletop game. So um, I really like things that are based on TV shows that I like because I think it uh, it taps into the nostalgia, and you have that kind of dual thing of enjoying the tabletop game, but be like, oh yes, I remember this character from that that episode that was so cool. Um, and Firefly really really does tap into that a lot with with the with the nostalgia sort of aspect i think what well it helps also that both of those games are actually excellent games as well and not just you know sometimes the ip games you can can run into problems where it's just sort of slapped together but both of these games are actually excellent games and such cleverly they've been related back to the shows in such clever ways as well you know with battlestar galactica it's the hulk it's a little bit like werewolf in that you don't know who's a cylon and and there is that element of deception to it um and with firefly they've managed to make a tabletop game about sort of being a, a space smuggler <laughs> and, and, and running missions to, in, into certain areas. And it's one of those games that does, you want to, you want to dedicate a good hour beforehand to explaining the rules to everyone, <laughs> which <laughs> but it's so worth it. It's worth putting in that time because once you're playing it, you, you basically, you, you're given a, a ship, a class of ship that you have a certain amount of space in and you have a, a captain to pilot that ship who has certain skills. So maybe they might be a good fighter and they have some mechanical skills, but then you'll need to pick up crew who are good at negotiating, for example, because there are some missions you'll have to run that um, that will require negotiation skills. And the board is, is divided up into space that is Alliance territory and Reva territory. And for every every square you move through Alliance territory, you run the risk of, of um, you know, being raided by uh 
by uh, alliance officials who could um, discover the illegal goods that you're smuggling or maybe one of your crew is wanted and has a warrant out for their arrest. Um, so there's a lot to lose every time you, you drive through, you fly through alliance space. But if you're flying through Reva space, obviously, um, you know, bad things happen when the Reavers get you. So every, every, every moment that you're passing through space in this game is fraught with danger and it's very exciting. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's a pick up and deliver game, right? Where you're, you're, you're picking up goods and you're moving them across the map into certain areas, uh, which definitely fits, fits that theme, uh, of, uh, one of my favorite shows ever. It's funny. You don't hear people talk about Firefly very much anymore, but man, it was one of the greats. Well, I'm uh, playing the, uh, playing the tabletop game actually prompted me to go back and watch the whole series in the movie again because it had been, oh, yeah? it had been that long. Yeah. So I sat down and watched the whole thing with my partner because yeah, you're, you're visiting certain planets and you know, you'll pick up a, you'll have to pick up missions from patients. And I was like, oh, I remember patients. I believe she's, she's, she's going to shoot me again. And I was like, I remember that. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fun game and there's, so many, uh, it's a long game. You kind of want to put in some time with it. So like you, you want to make it one of those games where everyone comes over in the morning so that you can plan to finish it by the evening. But, um, yeah. but it's really fun and it's really exciting. And there's so much, uh, as much chance as there is strategy and it's really wonderful balancing those two elements, but also, um, yeah, trying to get ahead of your friends. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. The uh, you know you mentioned the Battlestar Galactica game, which came out I think right at the tail end of the height of that series. And I remember being all excited and playing that game and watching the series, and ultimately disappointed by how it ended. But uh, neither here nor there. Um, but now it feels a little like oh yeah, that show. But it's funny because Firefly, the game came out well after the show is already gone, and so it doesn't feel like oh yeah, that show because. It, it doesn't feel like it was even trying to capitalize on something that was happening. It's more already working on a nostalgia place. Mm. Um, I don't know. I kind of give it more credit that way in a weird way. But. It's, it's so funny because Battlestar Galactica was one of my favorite shows of all time, but I don't think it's held up very well. Whereas I think Firefly is somehow a little bit more timeless. And maybe that is because yeah. it was just one season and it was very much kind of existed in this little vacuum of – you know, of space and time, but ended um, before it's time. Yeah. 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 It never got messy. I think Battlestar and a lot of shows like that, and even Buffy to keep it, you know, Joss related for Firefly. There's, there's always episodes and seasons where the fans and it's different for different people, but it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Buffy's great, but you got to get to season two and then skip season three. And then, uh, you know, uh, Joyce is just a real problem in season six, but the show's great. Or like Battlestar, it's, you know, oh yeah, the middle of season three just really slow. And there's a romance that no one cares, but the the, no, the series Battle is Star, fantastic. <laughs> I say to people, watch Battlestar until the moment you hear Jimi Hendrix, and then stop watching it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so That's such a clear moment if you've yeah. watched the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to talk about a board game, uh, another social deduction game. I really love social deduction games. Uh, it's called Don't Mess with Cthulhu. Uh, social deduction games, if you haven't picked it up already, is the idea that people have hidden roles and your job is to figure out who is what so that your team can win and you don't get messed up by the inevitable traitor in your midst. Uh, and most social deduction games, I like I like a number of them, including the aforementioned Battlestar Galactica, but uh, there's a lot of these freeform social deduction games like The Resistance and um, Werewolf. One Night Ultimate Werewolf. And most of those games, 
it is just freeform discussion. It's just, uh, okay, we all have our roles. Now let's talk and see if you can figure it out. And that's, and that's fine, but oftentimes with groups, you you describe the game and you you kick it off and they go, okay, now what do we do? And it's like, well, you talk. Well, okay, all right, I guess we talk. And there's not enough structure to it. And one of the things I really like about Don't Mess With Cthulhu, uh, which I've quite played quite a lot now, is that there's uh, something to do. There is something to be done. And the social deduction happens as you are doing the thing. So – you have different roles and then you have these cards in front of you and uh, one half – not one half, but one side of the uh, equation has to try to figure out – has to try to find cards that are hidden among the cards that are passed out among the players. And the other side is prevent is trying to prevent uh, those cards from being revealed. But everybody has cards in their hand and you are able to look at those cards and know what – you have, but then you place them in front of you and shuffle them. So you know what you have, but you don't know which card is which. And what you have to do, whosever turn it is, has to select a card from in front of somebody and turn that card over to reveal it. Now, if you're a good guy, you're trying to reveal these special cards. And if you're a bad guy, you're trying to prevent those cards from being revealed. So you know, if you have any of those cards, you don't know which is which. So you're trying to convince people, okay, I have one or I don't have one, and you're lying or not lying depending on which side you're on, but something has to be done. A card has to be turned over. So it's not just a free-form discussion. It is literally a means to an end of like, okay, well, I got to turn a card over. And the other little twist is whomever's card you turn over, it becomes their turn next to turn over a card. So if you are convinced to turn over somebody's card because you think they have one of the idols and it turns out they have are a traitor, then you've given them control and are potentially uh, making it harder for you to win. Really easy, really simple, really fast game and uh, a clear directive every turn. Can you look to your dog to see if you're good or bad? Like how am I, uh, how, you know, how am I helping? If I eat too much while I'm playing, am I going to get fat? Like, what are we, what are we talking about? Here? Oh, I see. You were doing a fable callback. I, I didn't, I, it, was, it took me a second. Uh, anyway, that's called Don't Mess With Cthulhu. I highly recommend it. It is a quick, fast, great social deduction game. If you like social deduction games, those are games basically where you lie to your friends. You lie right in their face. Uh, I have such a love-hate relationship with those games because it ties back into that thing of me wanting everyone to like me, right? And, yeah. you know, I've heard of relationships break up over games like that, so I get very wary of them. Isn't there that moment where you look at your your role in those games and you find out you're a good guy and you're just like, oh, thank God I don't have to lie and be an a-hole right now. <laughs> I'm so happy I could just be honest. <laughs> and you worry people won't look at the same way afterwards, look at you at the same way afterwards because they're like, wow, I really believed you. You were such a good liar and now I feel like everything yeah. I know about you is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess uh, play these games at your own risk, but uh, it can be yeah. fun. You, wait, you were the werewolf all the time? Wait, were you really in Vegas for work last <laughs> weekend? <laughs> totally. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our show. We do have our parting gift coming up. Uh, I also have to thank our final sponsor, and I've saved the best for last. I want to tell you exactly what I did before we started um, this show tonight. It's a Sunday evening here in California, and uh, my Sunday evening was spent preparing dinner for my wife. She 
uh, got my young son, Jack. He's uh, a little over one years old. And she got him uh, fed and was feeding him. And I got to be the awesome husband and partner to make my wife dinner. And how did I do that? I did it because of Blue Apron. If I was just tasked with making dinner out of thin air, I would not be the awesome husband and partner <laughs> that I, I got to be. Out of thin air? <laughs> yeah. The Blue Apron gives me all the things I need. It gives me the recipes. It gives me the ingredients. And those are shipped right to my house. I, like like if, if my wife was like, I'm going to feed the kid. What's for dinner? I'd be like, um, I, I think there's like a tortilla in the fridge. <laughs> Uh, I, this is, has not only improved my life, but it has improved how I feel about my marriage and my, like, you know, how I feel about myself in regards to how cool I could be with, for, for my wife. I, tonight I cooked, I even brought it out here. I have this, you can hear, this is the, the little piece of cardboard that I cooked tonight. Um, I didn't cook cardboard. It's the recipe upon which the things that I cooked. Anyway, you get it. Tuscan spiced chicken and fregola now, two years ago, before I started using Blue Apron, I wouldn't know four out of the five of those words. I wouldn't know any of those words. <laughs> but now, I did. I made a warm citrus vinaigrette and a Tuscan spiced chicken with fregola It was a delicious meal. My wife was so impressed, and she loved it. She's like, oh, wow, this, this, this is one of the really good ones. Uh, they're all the really good ones. Uh, we have never had a Blue Apron we didn't like. We have ones that we like even more than others, but it is so good, and there's so much more variety in our, in our diet now. And I get the joy of making it myself, knowing exactly what goes in it. We eat healthier. These are awesome recipes. I love Blue Apron. I begged them to sponsor our show because I am so enthusiastic about it. And the cool thing is now I get to give our listeners their first dinner because uh, that is is what you get if you go to blueapron.com slash DLC. It's a $30 value, blueapron.com slash DLC. Go there, check it out, sign up. You get your first meal. Check it out on me. Not really on me. I'm not paying for it. I just uh, – because you listen to the show. That's why you get it. Uh, you'll eat healthier. You'll feel better. You'll get more variety in your diet. And these are, these are fresh, delicious ingredients and delicious stuff. I, I, I really believe in Blue Apron and I love it. It has improved my life immeasurably. So give it a shot. Blueapron.com slash DLC. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, stick around for our uh, our – parting gift. Um, but Stephanie Bendixson, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was heaps of fun. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, tell people where they can keep up with you and what you do on the internet. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, well my, uh, social handles are all hex Steph. So just at H E X S T E P H. Um, that's on Instagram and Twitter and everything. Um, and also I, ha- I have a, a show that we do a lot of stuff online as well. We have a YouTube channel that's um, youtube.com forward slash screenplay AU. And we do heaps of fun video stuff there, uh, video game stuff there, like first plays and reviews and discussion and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, my fabulous co-host, Nick, uh, who you've had on the show uh, previously, he, he does a lot mm-hmm. for me as well. So we have a great time and, and uh, it, we have a lot of fun. Very cool. I, Christian, I want to start using heaps in my vernacular. I want to, I want to add that word. I like that word. I forget you guys don't say that. I like it. I like it. I want to start using that. You, you uh, can start, where can people – You can start shortening all of your words as well. That's something we like to do here is to shorten every single word and try and make it smaller. 
Uh, I like that too. I we, we breathe here in uh, in SoCal. We breathe. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, where can people find your books as well? Uh, in the US, uh, I'm not sure. You should be able to just Google them, though. It's Pixel Raiders. And okay. um, I think two, the first two books have been published in the US so far. They're published by Scholastic. So if you um, awesome. do a little bit of a search. They've actually also just recently been published in Canada in French Canadian, which is amazing to see. I've received uh, copies of my books in French, which is unreal. <laughs> Ooh la la. That is really cool. Yeah. Uh, somebody can translate your words. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, if you aren't or haven't been, you can catch the other geeky podcast I do at least 20 more minutes. You can find it. It goes up for everybody on Friday on the Uninformed Opinions podcast feed. If you just search for Uninformed Opinions in your podcast player of choice, you will find it. This week's episode is about Black Mirror, or I should say last week's, the one that came out on Friday on that feed. Uh, no sp- specific Black mo- blah, blah, black Mirror spoilers, but just kind of about the show generally and, and where it fits into society. I think it was a fun one. And uh, it's uh, patron-supported. It, it comes out on the Patreon feed first on Tuesdays. And you can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. And then uh, I haven't been streaming much on my own personal channel much, but if you want, that's just twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. But Friday morning, Cheapy and I will be playing um, PUBG or maybe Wildlands or, or maybe some Fortnite or something like that. But we stream on his channel, which is twitch.tv slash cheapassgamer. You can find those there. And uh, Parenting Podcast, Department of Parenting. You can find all that stuff at departmentofparenting.com. Jeff, what about you? Well, don't forget, I have a daily video game show. If you want to keep up to date and quick hits, uh, newest, latest, best is the show to check out. It's a quick 10-minute podcast that reviews all the big stuff you need to know about video games. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts. Just search for newest, latest, best or go to anchor.fm slash NLB. Uh, I also have an eSports show on Hulu. So if you are a Hulu subscriber, Give a, a watch to Defining Moments, which is my esports show. Um, I really like it. I think it's I think it's good. All six episodes are out right now. We're hoping to make more, so give it a sh- give it a shot. Uh, and then the Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV. In fact, very big week for us. We have a guest. Uh, uh, we're recording tomorrow night. No, not tomorrow night. Well, yes, tomorrow night. As you're hearing this, hopefully, maybe not. Whatever. Tuesday night, we're recording people with. Oh yeah, go ahead. With uh, a director of a movie that you probably saw called uh, The Last Jedi. People, it's going to be so good. When Jeff told me, I'm so excited and so jealous already. You guys, slash film cast, go get it. It's going to be fun. Uh, And then We Have Concerns, you can find at wehaveconcerns.com, comedy science, uh, and laughs. All right. Let's uh, end the show now with our parting gift. Stephanie, do you have uh, a suggestion that could help people get through their week that might not be a video game? Yes, definitely. I, um, I'm big into hiking. So uh, being such an avid open world gamer, and I love the freedom of being in an open world, I think sometimes you need to take that back into real life. And uh, if, you can, if you can incorporate even just a short hike into your week, I guarantee you, you will feel 100 times better. I feel like I get a huge shot of... Uh, you know, positivity from from a good hike. So that would be my suggestion. 
Totally agree. Although it's not fair where you hike in Australia, it's always a sunset. There's <laughs> <Yeah>. always <laughs> now, sometimes it's a blizzard. I've downloaded that expansion too. Sometimes. It's a <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I totally concur. What a great suggestion. I'm, I'm always like you, I'm always, uh, thinking of open world video games when I'm on a hike. I'm like, yeah, this is how it must feel like to walk through the Witcher's world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah. Uh, I just thought of another one. So two quickies. One is, uh, get involved, stay involved. My wife and girls and some friends went to the women's march this past weekend and, uh, it was cool to see, very empowering, and I know that uh, they had a lot of fun. So whatever you're into, whatever it is, stay involved. It's easy to, you know, kind of slack off on it, even if it's just your your book club, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, uh, stay involved with it and, and and keep keep chipping. And then that relates to this other one. For me, it's pull-ups. Maybe for you, it's push-ups or sit-ups or something physical. We like to talk about geeks and sneaks on this show. Uh, and I did a workout this past weekend where – I did the most uh, pull-ups I'd ever done in a run, and it was just a in, in a, a row, I should say, not while running. Um, it's just cool, man. It's something that's easy to do. You, you can do it at home. Push-ups are the same thing. Just chip away. Do 5, 10, 25, whatever it ends up being, and I think you'll see some real results. And all it takes is you know getting off the couch or getting out of bed and just, just giving it a shot. And pull-ups, uh, if you don't have them, just keep you can get them. I know you can get them, and it's really cool to see those accomplishments you can check it off your real life open world map as you, as you achieve them. I, I see a, a personal trainer and we do pull-ups but i do those assisted ones with the rubber bands and i think i'm just ready to move on from four rubber bands to three rubber bands it's very exciting Heck, that is exciting that's awesome no I, told, I i was a person that really struggled with them and now um i'm doing chest to bar and it's just like strict chest of our pull-ups and it's just something that I never thought I'd be doing and, you know, just encouraging other people to, to try it and get out there. Awesome. Um, I'm going to, well, let's, let's talk about a listener one first. Uh, this comes from Tony from San Diego. He sent it to DLC feedback at gmail.com where you can send uh, any of your feedback, anything you want to mention about the show or a suggested parting gift as Tony did. He says, I want to suggest a comic book for this week's parting gift. Let's get weird. My parting gift is the new volume of Doom Patrol by Gerard Way and Nick Darrington. Tight writing, eye-popping artwork, and some really wacky characters make this a fun read that's truly like nothing else. The first chapter is strange, but stick with it through the volume and you'll be left wanting more. Thanks for the great show. Week in and week out. Here's to 2018. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Awesome suggestion. Doom Patrol, the comic book. Uh, my parting gift is one I have mentioned before, but uh, I usually mention it right at the beginning of the year. Here we are already in the third week of 2018, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but it bears repeating yet again. One of my favorite things to do, I've been working on my 2017 one second every day, and I'm so excited. I'm almost done with it. Uh, one second every day, the app, I highly recommend it. It's not too late to start yours for 2018. Uh, you record one second every day at the end of a year, uh, 365 days, you get about five minutes of video and it's amazing what one second can convey. Uh, and you get this five minute snapshot of an entire year of your life. Mm -hmm. It is very powerful. It is really moving and amazing to see time compressed like that. I highly recommend it. I love it. Uh, it's, it's really a joy that I get to, to do every year now. And, um, I hope you guys give it a shot. I think you'll, you'll like what it, 
how it makes you uh, get gain perspective on your year. One second every day. I think it's available on both iOS and Android. Yeah, friend of the show. Yes, indeed. Caesar, uh, the uh, creator of that. Uh, all right. That's going to be it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks again to Stephanie Bendixson and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. and Sean Madigan and Zero Star for those bumpers. And uh, thanks to everybody that hung out in the chat room. You guys are awesome hanging out with us on a Sunday evening here in the States um, and uh, contributing in real time to the show. We really appreciate that. Thanks to all of you that download the show and listen to it. We appreciate that as well. Feel free to give us a uh, five-star rating on your platform of choice if you're so inclined. That does help people find the show. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.